Every time I hear this scripture, every time I hear Jesus compare the kingdom to yeast, I think about my family's adventures in bread making. We, we actually have adventures, plural, in bread making. It started with me. I was in one of what I call my domestic fits about 10 years ago, and I thought I could make bread. So I got on the internet, because that's where you find out how to do everything, and I got my recipe and all of the ingredients, and I went and gathered all of the ingredients, and I followed the recipe exactly. I measured, and I let rise, and I punched, which is a lot of fun, and I let rise again, and I put it in the oven, and I baked it just like it said. And what came out of the oven, I still claim could rival bricks as a building material, okay? It was about this thick. It was hard as a rock. And somehow, it was heavier than the dough that went in. I'm not sure how that happened. There's something chemically going on there that I didn't get. But I'm, I said, all right, I messed it up. I'll try it again. So I gathered my ingredients, and I mixed, and I let rise, and I punched a little harder, and I let rise again. And I put it in the oven, and out came another brick. My son was about 14 years old at the time, and God bless him, he came up to that loaf of bread, and he sawed off a biscotti-looking piece of that loaf, and he gnawed on it, and he said, don't worry, Mom, I like it this way. <laughs> and he ate the whole loaf, and I stopped making bread just to spare him from having to do that again. Uh, fast forward to when he graduates from college two years ago, and he has a seven-month period between his graduation and finding employment. And it was a seven-month period filled with multiple applications and lots of waiting and so much frustration that the child was driving me crazy. And I said, son, you need a hobby. And he said, fine, I'll make bread. <laughs> I think he thought the punching would be therapeutic, you know? So he gathered his ingredients after he got his recipe off the internet. And he mixed and he let rise and he punched and he let rise, and he baked, and out came this loaf that could have graced the cover of Martha Stewart's magazine. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It smelled incredible. It tasted great. And I think about that when I hear the scripture. That's what happens when yeast makes its way through the entire dough. That's what happens when yeast makes its way through the entire dough. The kingdom of God is like yeast, Jesus says. When we hear this, and it makes sense to us, doesn't it? First of all, because we have a basic understanding of what yeast is supposed to do when you add it to dough, even when it doesn't. But also because we're a sent people, right? We're a people on this side of the Great Commission. We're a people who understand that we are called to go and make disciples of all humankind. And so we hear that the kingdom of God is like yeast, and we say, yeah. Yeah, it is. We're to go into every corner, into all the earth, and make disciples of all humankind. Yeah, kingdom of God is like yeast. Awesome, let's do this thing. Next parable, please. And we forget that Jesus said these words to a people who were not yet sent. And Jesus said these words to a people who had a very different understanding of yeast. Jesus is with the crowd that follows him, and they've already been shocked this day, it's the Sabbath, and Jesus is healed again on the Sabbath. And as it goes, when Jesus heals on the Sabbath, there's recrimination, and then there's explanation. And Luke tells us that the people rejoice at how Jesus is able to explain this. But what we have in this moment, then, is a people whose equilibrium has been shook. 
Right? What they thought they knew, they realized they don't quite know. What they thought they understood, now they're questioning, which means that they are imminently teachable in that moment. And our professors all say, amen. And Jesus decides to take this moment to kind of build on that you don't quite get it moment. Here's what the kingdom of God is really like. And he starts out by telling them that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And I'm not sure he got the reaction he was looking for from that one, because then he moves on to the one we read. He goes, no, you know what? You know what? The kingdom of God is like yeast. And when I read this, I hear an audible gasp from the people who are standing there listening to Jesus. Because this is a people who had a relationship with yeast, an understanding of yeast that went back over a thousand years. All right, we find it first in Exodus 12. It's Exodus 12, verses 17 through 20. Moses is getting the instructions for the first Passover from God. How to take the lamb and take the lamb's blood and put it on the doorposts so that the angel of death, that tenth plague, will pass them by. And as Moses is receiving these instructions, God also gives instructions on how to continue to remember this year after year after year. God says, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. The bread you eat must be made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day of that month. During those seven days, there must be no trace of yeast in your homes. Anyone who eats anything made with yeast during this week will be cut off from the community of Israel. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. During those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, eat only bread made without yeast. I had a professor whose name I don't remember, who taught a class, the name of which I don't remember. You are so impressive. By the way, my goodness, all of those names. I'm sorry, nameless professor from nameless class, but I do remember, I do remember a statement that was made. And that statement was that at the time of the Exodus, God had gotten the Israelites out of Egypt, but he still had to get Egypt out of the Israelites. This was a people who were supposed to be set apart from the world, separate holy. And so God used yeast as a symbol of how sneakily the world can make its way into the lives of God's people. He used yeast as a symbol of the way in which the world can infect the people of God. He used yeast as a symbol for the evil that would lure them away. And year after year, generation after generation, for over a thousand years, regardless of where you date the Exodus, yeast meant the world. Yeast meant everything that wasn't of God. Yeast meant that which you had to be vigilant against or be excommunicated because of. Until this day, 
When Jesus stands before the people and he says, no, you know what? The kingdom of God is like yeast. Do you hear the gasp now? Do you hear it now? Here they are, after a thousand years, and it's all changed. This is one of those radical reversals that Jesus is so awesome at. I love these. Jesus is so good at these. He came to change everything, and he made sure that we knew it. So the last are going to be first, right? And the leaders are going to be servants. And you know those poor people and those those, those grieving people and those persecuted people, they're actually the ones that are blessed. And if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. And you know this whole relationship you've had with the world for over a thousand years? Let's just flip that right around. Do you hear the victory in the statement? Do you hear the freedom in this statement? You no longer have to be vigilant against the world. The world cannot infect you anymore because the kingdom of God, like yeast, has made its way into the world. The kingdom of God, like yeast, has the victory now. And can we just take a moment and give Jesus props for how Wesleyan he's being here? (laughs) Because what I'm hearing here is prevenient grace. Are you hearing prevenient grace here? That grace that goes before us before we even know we need it, that grace that's a part of every life and every situation, that doesn't require a response from us to be there, that grace that is there only because of who God is and because of what Christ has done. The kingdom of God is like yeast, provenient grace spread throughout the whole world. And because of that, we no longer have to be vigilant. We no longer have to be afraid. We no longer have to hide behind walls or in sanctuaries with those who are just like us. We can engage with the world. We can be in the world fully and not be of it and be okay. Because the kingdom of God is like yeast. Jesus speaks into a thousand years of tradition. A thousand years of teaching, and he turns it all around in that moment. Which means that for 2,000 years plus now, the kingdom of God has been like yeast. Which begs the question, why then does the world look the way it does? I don't know about you, but when I turn on the news, or I answer my phone, or some days just walk out my front door, I am confronted with a world that looks a lot more like my hard, heavy brick bread than my son's fully leavened loaves. We've had double the time. Why does the world look the way that it does? It might have something to do with the reason why my bread turned out the way it did. Of course, because I wanted to figure out what I had done wrong. I hate being wrong. I hate being wrong. As much as my son loves being right, you should have heard him crow. And so we brought out our different recipes and we looked them over and the only difference, the only difference in these recipes was that his called for a tablespoon of sugar. If you need to understand how yeast works to know why this is important. Yeast takes whatever sugar is available to it and it transforms it. It transforms it into carbon dioxide and into alcohol. The carbon dioxide lightens the bread, it's the bubbles, it's the lightness, and the alcohol flavors the bread. Now we're going to put a pin in the flavor of alcohol right over here, and we're just going to leave that right there, okay? And we're going to talk instead about the lightness that that transformation brings. 
the lightness that that transformation brings. The kingdom of God is already out there in the prevenient grace given to us in Jesus Christ. And it's working, and it will get the job done with or without us. But it will go faster if we show up and give God something to work with, something, someone to transform. Do you see how it works? We show up and we are transformed, and in that moment as we are transformed, we are transformative. As we are transformed, whatever situation, whatever moment, whatever relationship we're in is going to be different because of how we act and react within it. And as that situation, that moment, that relationship is changed, so are the people who are involved in it with us. And as they are changed, it goes on and on and on, and the kingdom of God is like yeast, making its way into every part of the dough. I heard the other day, might have been here in chapel, uh, that we as seminarians are about to be unleashed on the world. We're about to be unleashed on the world. And I loved it. I actually giggled. It made me think of like a weaponized plague. You know, watch out, the seminarians are coming. But the truth is, we are about to be unleashed. We are unleashed. There is nothing holding us back. The victory is won. The kingdom of God is there. And as we go forth, there's this incredible thing that happens. The sanctifying grace, Wesley, again, how awesome was he? Sanctifying grace at work in our lives meets the prevenient grace at work in the world. And there is the spiritual alchemy that happens and the kingdom of God brings lightness to what was hard and heavy. See how it works. Isn't it beautiful? See what we miss when we don't see it from the perspective of the people that heard it first. There's so much freedom, so much victory in this statement. I had the great privilege, back when I was in the course of study, which is seven years ago, before I started seminary, of taking a class with George Morris. Uh, evangelism course with George Morris. Now, he was discipled by Harry Denman. And Harry Denman asked him once, George, what are you most excited about? And George said, well, you know, Harry, I just can't wait to get out there and take Jesus to the masses. And Harry's response was, son, Jesus is already out there. He's wondering what's taking you so long. <laughs> we are about to be unleashed into the world, to live into the callings and the gifts and the graces that God has given us. And we are going into a world totally free to interact without fear, without hiding, without vigilance. Part of that freedom is recognizing that we are not the yeast. The kingdom of God does not rise or fall on our shoulders. Amen. It will get the work done with or without us. We're the sugar, not in the sweet saccharine unicorn and rainbows kind of way, please don't go there, but in the transformed to be transformative 
way. So that when we show up, God has more to work with. So that when we show up and we are open and submitted to God's grace to do whatever needs done in this moment, in this situation, in this relationship, we get to see the kingdom of God at work. Thank God. So may God help us and the world that's about to receive us to go fearlessly, to be transformed, to be transformative, because the kingdom of God is like yeast. If we could pray. Lord, we thank you that you allow us the great privilege of doing kingdom work in your name. We thank you for the grace that has been at work in our lives from so long before, from the very beginning, our very first heartbeat and continues to work now. We thank you that as we go forth into the world that you have won the victory in already, we don't have to defend your gospel, we just have to live it. And as we do so, you will transform us and make us transformative. Lord, let us bear your kingdom every place our footsteps. And we will give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.